0: Welcome to the Player Development Project podcast. My name is Dave Wright, co-founder and editor of Player Development Project. PDP is a website for coaches who are committed to learning, and we provide a huge library of resources which consists of cutting-edge insights from the world's most innovative player developers, coach educators, and researchers. If you want to learn from the best and join a community of like-minded coaches, then check out playerdevelopmentproject.com. On this week's Player Development Project Podcast, we answer a question from our community and try to offer up advice on practical problems faced by coaches around the world. Hi everyone, thanks for joining us once again on another Player Development Project Q&A. Really pleased to be joined, as usual, by my colleague, UEFA A Licensed Coach and PDP Technical Advisor, Dan Wright. Dan, how are you today, mate?
1: I'm really good, thank you, mate. How are you? Good, good. Good to be
0: joined by you, as always. And we've got a really nice question from Stuart via Facebook. Now, Stuart said, if I have a few players who I think have the right qualities to be the team's captain, what coaching can I give them to help them be a good captain? So a really interesting one around, uh, I guess, leadership as a topic. And I, I know you've got a few ideas as to which corner this really hits.
1: Yeah, I think in terms of the, you know, sort of the, the FA four corner model, for me, this would be in the social corner. So when we're talking about coaching in the social corner. The FA sort of use the five points <clears throat> and their points are, uh, you know, is the player well behaved? Are they a good learner? Do they recognize the importance of team? do they manage relationships effectively and can they demonstrate independence so this is you know a really really broad question i think with loads and loads of uh, spin off things we could talk about um, <clears throat> I think you know we, we really need to talk about what is a leader and how we define good leadership. I guess.
0: Yeah, and I think there's some really nice ideas there around you know those kind of pillars or, or definitions as to what uh, you know a coach needs to be looking for in that leader. So I think you know at, in terms of the way we can approach this from a coaching perspective, I think it's about really looking at leadership challenges. So if you've identified three or four players in that team and you think, well, I need to really stretch these guys as leaders because they're showing those attributes, and I think you can look at things like. Uh, player led warm ups. And I know through working in the foundation phase age group for a period of time, that players really respond to that. And, And then from a coaching perspective, how you observe that can be quite interesting. Do they lead through collaboration? Or do they lead by dictatorship? And some players go, okay, well, I'm captain. So now I get to tell everybody what to do. Uh, And you might then need to coach within that as to actually know you can lead by having a conversation with your friends here and actually trying to set things up as a team as opposed to just being a boss. So it's interesting then to observe young players and how they work. So, again, we don't know the age of these players, but other other things that um, players could potentially do to, I guess, uh, demonstrate leadership ability will be tested as to feedback in front of their their peers at halftime. Or if you're playing four quarters in your games and each quarter break, you might rotate between three players. You might develop a leadership group over the period of three or four weeks, uh, and you might also get players, uh, you know, setting expectations for the team. What, what are the standards? And this this is particularly relevant with older players, I think, when you've got those players working in teenage age group. What time do we have to be training? What time do we have to be there before the game? What are the expectations in the dressing room? And really getting players to take ownership of that. So a few ideas there, sort of to, to kick things off, mate. What are you? What are your thoughts on those?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we've touched on a few of these things before, like setting expectations and, you know, players, you know, having responsibility and accountability and ownership of, of sessions or of games. And it's really important. And I think also we've got we've to think about when a player comes to us, we talk about developing them across the four corners. We talk about, you know, developing them technically and tactically and physically and psychologically. We probably don't do a lot socially. We probably think, you know, either they're really socially skilled and that's great and we leave them to it or, or they need a bit of help and it's, you know, sort of like a, a red flag and then we, it's, you know, it's crisis time. And the guys that are sort of in between, we don't tend to do a lot of work with. So I think it's about perhaps um, designing that model so that we're, we're affecting the players in all four corners through our session plans, through our, you know, our individual programs. And then, you know, like you said, game day is a really good time to do this, and, I, and I've seen some really great work in, in tournaments as well, where um, teams might choose to have you know, a complete player-led approach to a tournament. So the guys are picking the teams, the guys are picking the shape, the strategy, you know, are we going to go and press high? Are we going to build a block? And and I think, you know, perhaps traditionally we might look at that that, that isn't coaching because the coach isn't leading the way. But I think it's about the players understanding their role in the team. And, and also we're, we're developing these guys for outside of football as well, because a lot of these social skills are going to go into school, are going to go into their family life. And then as they get older, they're going to go into their work life. I think perhaps sometimes we miss the bigger picture of what coaching is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, as you and I have seen in the Premier League, uh, you know, the academy scene here in the Premier League are putting some really nice initiatives in for those players around uh player-led festivals and that's a fascinating thing and whether you're working in academy or grassroots football i think that's irrelevant you've got to look at the season and go okay well when have we got some opportunities to do some player-led stuff and that might be communicating with another club that you know well or a couple of teams and putting on a some kind of tournament day and saying actually the players are going to lead it and the way the, the festivals are run here is that there'd be one person handing out uh, match attacks cards or, or you know player cards for young players they try and match up uh, they have to then team up with the players who have the same card and they'd go and play games, they'd referee themselves, they have that social interaction and you're identifying within that from a, an observation perspective, uh, those players that step up and you might see the, the biggest, strongest or socially most dominant player step up and lead things at first and there might be a player that's a year younger or something like that in the mix and you watch that player and how they integrate and how they interact is really interesting, particularly because they're not around their teammates. So I think there's room in grassroots football for these kind of initiatives and, and Coaches can be looking at that as a way to uh, empower players and test them in a leadership sense. Because, as you say, it's you know sometimes we focus so much on the technical or tactical side of the game. It's key that we're giving these players who might be shining in other areas a real challenge. Because we're looking to develop people, not just not just players here. And I think it's really important that coaches facilitate that. Uh, and I guess. Something that we've cited a lot on PDP is, is the book Legacy, and I, I was uh, r- one of my favourite sports books of all time. And I've written a review on the site around that, and I think that's a that's a must read for all coaches. If they haven't read Legacy and understood some of the principles of the way the All Blacks have built their success, uh, it's a real must read for coaches. Have you you checked that one out yourself?
1: Yeah, it's a very good read. That I mean, you you always find a way to squeeze that in as well, don't you? With your, I do. Your, mate. It's your a Kiwi, plug, isn't kiwi it? heritage going in. Um, <laughs> No, it's a it's a really great book. I mean, I don't understand rugby, and I've, I've never really watched <laughs> watched rugby as a sport. But in terms of building a culture and and building a framework for the players to thrive, I th- like like you said, it's a must read. And mm. and it's really really simple rules and and expectations that the players are are owning as well. I think that was the main thing that came out for me in that book is that it wasn't uh, a set of rules set by you know the federation or by the team that that the coaches installed and sort of implemented it was the the players themselves saying you know we need to be better and to do this we're going to do do xyz which which of the rules do you think would be would be most apparent here in terms of leadership
0: well i think i mean there's a couple of things i know there's a maori proverb proverb in there about how the kumara doesn't know uh, need to say how sweet he is which is the sweet potato so it doesn't need to say how sweet he is and i think in, encouraging humble players and and things like sweet the sheds which is obviously one of the most sort of cited ones from the book ideas of players just taking charge of their environment is really important keeping players humble but from an, uh, I guess from a leadership or a personal development point of view, the idea of emotional control through the concept of redhead, bluehead is something that I've tried to implement with players over the last couple of seasons and seeing young players take that concept on. And essentially redhead is, is the red mist and when you are stressed or emotionally anxious or frustrated in the game, can players get themselves back into the bluehead by reconnecting, whether that's taking a deep breath or looking away to the furthest point and each individual will have different ways of doing that. But I know Gilbert Anoka, the all-black psychologist who's cited heavily In that book uh, talks about some of the strategies they use with individual players through that period particularly around the last two world cups and and i guess these are all ideas that we can train with our players by stretching them and putting them in difficult situations and seeing at what point do they break or do they stress or you know and and making sure that they're aware that we're going to put you in a challenging environment right now and we're going to put you in maybe a 1v2 or a 2v3 scenario and you've got to deal with it we're going to watch now as to how you react and these are all ways to develop people and, and going back to the question develop leaders
1: yeah, I think it's really important with that redhead and bluehead and, and whatever language you want to use is is not to have it sort of set. And then once a player fails, you're like, oh, OK, he's a redhead. It's, yeah, exactly. It, right. it, it doesn't work like that. It, it's, it's going back to the four corners. It's, if a player couldn't pass the ball, you wouldn't say he couldn't pass the ball. You've got to do a job to to make him better. And um, we've got to stress them out in training as well. You can't just put them in game scenarios and then watch them pop and then say, okay, he's a stress head, and we, we can't put them in tournaments. You've got to you've got to build that resilience up or that accountability or whatever you know whatever corner you're sort of, you're stressing out. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's also important to take in to terms the, the the maturation here as well so if you're working with that teenage age group the brain's still developing and so perhaps there would be a period where they're going to be more red than blue and, and and that won't be the same for everybody there'll be some that'll be really chilled out all the time but just to keep you know it's unconditional it's going to be a long time it's not you know Dave's a redhead and we can't play him in, in high pressure moments it's we've got to work towards uh, making Dave you know a, a more complete player rather than Rather than being set, so you know that links into sort of all the growth mindset and fixed mindset stuff, which I which I think people should read as well.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I think the uh, the other thing here is honesty. I think even with young players, regardless of age, um, when you're transparent with players, you say, look, I think this is an area you need to work on because you're doing this really well, and this is going to make you do what you're doing well even better. Uh, And I can think of a player last year who's a sensational dribbler, really quick, physically athletic, uh, could beat players for fun and showed us great game understanding, had a really good season. But the one thing that kept failing him was this ability to to keep his head in the game. And when we gave him leadership challenges, he really responded to that and it almost calmed him. So we'd we'd give him ownership of the player warm-up or we'd ask him to feed back to his team. And, you know, he really thrived on that because he was exceptionally intelligent in a football sense and could see the game. So I think you've got to look at that and go, if you've got somebody that's a little bit... um, you know emotionally volatile at times and that can actually be turned into an attribute it's not saying that is you know you just have to deal with so you know I, I think there's other I guess on another note or a little bit of a segue there are other mentors that coaches should be looking for in this sense as well. So Simon Sinek is one who we've cited before, cultural anthropologist and I guess a real leader in this kind of um, industry around cultural intelligence and understanding people. Um, and he's got a couple of books, Leaders Eat Last, Start With Why, highly recommend that. And also Stephen Covey, which is another, you know, I guess he's one of the great psychologists in, in modern times. Um, he's written books like you know, Seven Habits, Eight Habit. Um, recommend those, and in the article Ranieri, the Art of Leadership, which is is on the Player Development Project website, some of his work there in terms of managing motivation and and leading people as opposed to managing people, I think is the key language that came out of there for me. So, again, a couple of guys that I would recommend our listeners and viewers um, really check out in terms of understanding this topic because it's a broad one.
1: Yeah, I think um just to touch on something you said there, that the language that you use with the players is really important here. So if you're building a language, and it might be like we said it might be the the All blacks language or it might be your club's language, or it might just be language that you use with that player, so he only he knows what you're talking about, but referencing that language in the sort of in the game in the heat of the battle is really important, so whether it's just stay in the game or or next one or go again, whatever language you're using so that the player can sort of almost have that that anchor to go okay right I've, I've messed up or it's gone wrong or we've lost the ball or we've conceded a goal or you know the adversity's happened. And how do we deal with it? Okay, Dave's prompt of his language has got me back in the game and I can go again. And that's a really good strategy to move them from, like you said, that red head to the blue head. I think also it's important here to talk about sort of, we referenced at the beginning, but, but players that are well behaved. Mm. Um, and, and I suppose the challenge in, in certain age groups is, you know is it cool? Is it cool to be a learner? Is it cool to be well behaved? And, and that sort of peer pressure to, to stop answering questions or to stop being the voice because you look at the kids in the foundation phase, and everyone's got that, their arm up, and everybody wants to give you an answer and tell you their life story. And as you move into the sort of the YDP ages, the 13s, 14s, 15s, a bit more swagger, and, <laughs> and, and maybe not so keen to answer those questions, or not—it's not cool to be, you know, to be a learner and to show that, you know, that sort of interaction with the coach. So I think it's perhaps important just to talk about why we think, you know, players that are well-behaved or good learners are important, and how that sort of can drive teams and drive standards on and off the pitch. Yeah, definitely,
0: and I think a lot of this, um, you know, we've talked in previous discussions about uh, parents, and I think, Often player behavior will, refl- will reflect uh, parent behavior and it's apples and trees, isn't it? You know, it doesn't fall f- too far from the tree most of the time. Um, so I think if you've got issues with a player who's potentially volatile or, as you say, a bit too much swagger and doesn't really want to be seen to be a learner, then perhaps you've got to start with the parents and have a conversation, see if they're open to trying to support their player or their their child around this idea. Because often, you know, obviously we've talked about it, parents are invested in terms of um, you know their interest and their desire to see their children succeed uh, in whatever sense that is but it's important that we go actually we, we've identified this from a coaching perspective we want to have a conversation with you and perhaps you can you can make it uh, a bit of a triumvirate you know and really just bring people together and say look the three of us need to work together as opposed to just you and the player and you've got that go-between who's hopefully going to be on your team
1: yeah and and I often try and talk to the kids about the difference between learning and education or learning in school yeah so school is this place where teachers are in charge and there's rules and structures and a uniform and and ties and and a timetable and learning is stuff that makes us better yeah. so if I learn, I might be better at football if I learn I might be quicker if I learn, I might be able to you know score two goals instead of one goal and so it's almost like hang on, learning is the coolest thing there is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. School, school might not be cool because yeah. you know that that's that that parent. Uh, sorry, that adult expectation, that adult world. But learning is really, really cool. Ronaldo's a really good learner. Like he reflects on what messes up in games and he gets better at it. and He practices. And I think once you can try and you know whatever language you use, but I like to use learning space. Like this is a learning space. Yeah. It's it's cool to do this. I don't know why you're not asking questions. Yeah. You exactly want to ask right. questions. You want to get better. And it's sort of flipping that on that head. And I think once you flip that sort of dynamic, then kids will take more risks. Kids will be comfortable to be there. And, and going back to the question, I think if you've got a leader that can encourage that, then then you know, you, you're winning and you're on the way to success.
0: Absolutely, because they're setting the standards. And, and I'm not going to start going on a rant about the education system because I do get a bee in my bonnet at times about some of the things. But before we uh, sort of wrap things up, I do want to cite a couple more pieces of content on the Player Development Project website. We've got a fantastic webinar with uh, John Alder, uh, who's at UK Sport, and he's an expert in leadership and culture. He's formerly worked with the Kiwis Rugby League team. Highly recommend that. Uh, video discussion which is on the site and also a couple of research reviews from our resident professor William Harper uh, formerly of Purdue University over there in the states he's got a couple of reviews around leadership in the age of complexity and uh, leaders behavior in sports so definitely recommend that the listeners and viewers jump on there and uh, check out those reviews in the research review section any final thoughts on this topic which is obviously a broad one Dan and we could probably go on for an hour mate but um, you know any final thoughts for you just in terms of advice uh, around the question
1: yeah, I think it's important just to, to go back to where we started. Of When you look at the four-corner model, I think coaches are traditionally really strong in the technical tactical corner. They might be quite strong in the physical corner if they've got a sports science background. But this other side, the psychological side and the social side is probably what's going to separate the difference between the players being good and great. And, and like I said, all the stuff that you can transfer off the pitch. The other thing I wanted to touch on is just that, you know, recently we've launched the podcast and, you know, that's been going quite well. So if, you, if you're downloading the podcast and you're subscribing, thank you very much. And if you're not, you should be.
0: No, absolutely mate nice little plug there and uh, once again appreciate your time hopefully some really good ideas on the topic of leadership for our listeners and we will look forward to another pdp q a very soon thanks for joining us on the player development project podcast you can follow us on twitter and instagram at PlayerDP or find us on facebook Don't forget to head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com where you can sign up to our progressive coaching community and gain access to our wide variety of resources to help you in your coaching.